Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. When demand for clean label first burst onto the scene several years ago, it was all about removing chemical-sounding, unnatural, and unnecessary ingredients from products. But as shoppers learned more about food, how it's made, and its impact on their health, their expectations of what they consume have become more nuanced, and so too is industry's approach to quote-unquote clean label. According to the Taste Nutrition Company, Carrie's recently released Future of Food white paper, consumers no longer have the same knee-jerk reaction to long lists of unfamiliar ingredients that they had several years ago. Rather than dismiss chemical-sounding ingredients out of hand, consumers are now more willing to consider their nutritional and functional benefits. The trade-off is that they're also looking more closely at product claims, certifications, and the nutritional benefits of ingredients, as well as their environmental impact, when determining if a food or beverage is quote-unquote clean. In this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast, Sumaya Nair, who is the Marketing and Consumer Insights Strategy for Kerry, attempts to untangle the knot of how consumers interpret and define clean label by sharing the results of a survey Kerry conducted of 2,100 U.S., quote, ingredient and nutritious conscious consumers, unquote, in 2019. She also shares details of a new framework based on these survey results that Carrie uses for product development, and she hints at where this trend is going in coming years. Carrie's current research builds on a survey it first conducted in 2017 of 700 U.S. consumers who read product labels, the nutritional panel, and ingredient declarations and which served as the basis for the company's first interpretation of the clean label pillars. By comparing the current data to the prior results, Nair says Carrie can see a clear evolution in consumer thinking and better understanding of their expectations when it comes to what they're willing to eat and what they're not. There's just so much of iterations in the market and evolution among consumers today that it is just very important for us to keep our pulse on the consumer set and what the evolving um, needs look like. Clean label, um, gosh, it's been one of our most focused areas for getting here to look at what consumers think about clean label uh, more under the lenses of the expectations from food and beverages as it stands today. And for us to be able to um, create products that really are truly nutritious, healthy, and just on point with what consumers expect. So that's, it is part of that evolving need for us to understand the consumer drivers underneath that has actually led us to clean labor. Um, we did this research back in 2016-17 when we just started talking about clean label uh, on a consumer-centric standpoint. And surely at that point, you know, the industry knew it, that consumers were picking up on clean label. Um, only in terms of information or terms that they were hearing from marketing messages or advertising, but it was among that that growth of clean label products in the marketplace that just catapulted from 2016-2017. So this is an evolution or the second evolution in our clean label study. So we are looking now not at the cross-section of the marketplace today, but also looking into the future 
Um, and that's why we're, we're talking about the future of food, right? It's not just about clean labor. It's not just about plant-based. It's not just about consumer's taste expectations, but it's the combination of all of these um, pillars, like we call it, that really is leading us to, to, um, to uncover this future of food expectation. Um, but beyond just knowing or hearing the term, it's the, the consumer um, knowledge in terms of what they want and don't want from their food that is more important for us to pay attention to. Um, it is that decision-making driver, uh, such as looking at the ingredient declaration, looking at the nutritional panel, um, looking beyond just the front of pack details and, and uh, claims, they are really peering into those certifications and trying to understand if the ingredient declaration does follow through the on-pack, you know, claims that, that uh, products are making. I mean, to that extent that if you even walk into a food service restaurant today, you'll see a lot more, um, you know, retail-sounding claims like organic, antibiotic-free, more of those clean label languages that's permeating through. And it's it's that piece. I think it's not uh, that you're going to see a lot of products saying, hey, we are clean label, but it is being more integrated seamlessly into uh, consumer language, into market language and retailer language now. And that's that evolution that has happened. And that's why we, you know, it's important for us to look beyond just the packaging or the marketing, but also just to uncover those expectations of sustainability, expectations of taste, in addition to those health and nutrition claims that we talk about. At the most basic level, Carrie discovered a shift in the top five claims that consumers associate with Clean Label from 2017 to 2019. In both surveys, consumers said they associate with Clean Label products those that are made with real ingredients, all natural, free from additives and preservatives, and are organic. The one claim that changed, however, is in 2017, consumers included in their top five list of claims non-GMO, but in 2019, this was replaced with no added sugar. Um, one thing that I did want to bring to attention is that in 2017, right, when we did ask them, all right, this is clean label, you are among the set of consumers who understand what clean label is and you've heard of it before, so what comes to your mind when we say clean label? And one of the biggest things that we see in terms of a shift um, has been the top five associations consumers make with clean label. Now, certainly, some of the some of the more general ones are, you know, it shouldn't have artificial ingredients, artificial flavors, um, artificial preservatives, and so on. But it's those second tier claims that really gave us an understanding of what consumers want and expect. Um, back in 2017, it was all about, you know, organic, non-GMO. Um, made with real ingredients was certainly up there, but then there was a higher focus on artificial free. This time around, um, that, that focus on made with real, and I don't know if you've kind of walked through the grocery aisles or, um, you know, went grocery shopping, it's really hard for you to stay away from that term real now on product packages. The fact that it's made with real cheese or real milk or real dairy, even real wheat flour, um, that focus on bringing back real ingredients um, has really resonated with consumers this time. And for the first time in, in four years, uh, we've noticed that that's the claim that's really strongly associated with clean label in the future of food. That has been a considerable shift. It's that thirst to know 
what goes in their product rather than just um, you know following the next trend. It's not just about following plant-based or clean label. It's about following the ingredient deck and following through that information that they're they're getting about their food and beverages. Based on this evolution, Carrie developed a new framework for thinking about the future of food and what drives consumer expectations. This framework includes five key pillars, acceptable ingredients, functional ingredients, sustainability, nutrition, and taste. The first pillar of acceptable ingredients goes back to the roots of the clean label movement and places a heavy emphasis on real ingredients that are recognizable and excludes artificial ingredients. But over the years, the focus of this pillar on quality has opened consumers' mind to the framework's second pillar of nutrition. When we did speak about, you know, the pillars, consumer pillars of the future of food, I think it is very important for us to consider where we've come from. Um, back, you know, gosh, back if we needed to go back about three years, it was all about ingredients, like I said, acceptable ingredients were in the top, right, uh, does not have any artificial. It's all about that nuance to the ingredient itself. But we did see a layer of nutrition coming through. Is if that ingredient is in there, even if it is acceptable, for instance, is that really the right um, product combination or ingredient combination for me? Because lifestyle diets started rising quite a bit. It was not about losing weight or, you know, uh, following the, the, the diets of the world. But you'd see what Mintel has been saying and other industry partners have been saying um, has been this movement towards lifestyle trends. Let me adopt lifestyle diets that are more nutritious, healthy for me, rather than focused on this one weight loss or weight management or consuming too much of protein. It's now the focus on combination of ingredients and nutritive or the nutrient density of those ingredients that is in, in focus more. So you'll see those five pillars that we speak about um, is all about that nutrition um, acceptable ingredients certainly, but nutrition has, has certainly been very strongly integrated to that ingredient story. It's going to be very hard for us to keep those two apart now. The third pillar is closely related to nutrition and focuses on functional ingredients as well as personalized nutrition. Um, the third pillar that really has risen over the course of the last couple of years, and we spoke of it in our in in, in that proactive health um, research that we did as well, is the consumer attention to added functionality, to derive not just uh, consuming food and beverages for its primary cause, but also wanting to get that extra nutritive value, that extra functional benefit. And we're talking about things like digestive health, gut health, brain health, in addition to sure the, the, the you know energy delivery and hydration and all of those um, benefits that consumers now want from everyday food and beverages. I mean, to that extent that we find that about uh, very close to about 75-80% of our consumers are now saying that they want functional ingredients coming from their everyday beverages. They don't want to um, only rely on 
you know, supplements and vitamins which they are consuming, but they also want it to come through everyday beverages, whether it's a sparkling water that has, you know, added uh, probiotic benefits, or if it's even a potato chip now, um, or, or a savory snack puff that has uh, functional benefits come through. So that is now starting to permeate in this world of clean label or this expectation of food and beverages that there has to be a sure a primary function of, of satiety and taste but also trying to deliver that extra you know added oomph uh, through through functional benefits the fourth pillar which focuses on taste may surprise some because on the one hand taste has always been king and often trumps other attributes for many consumers but health conscious consumers who are looking for clean label products also has historically been willing to compromise on taste for the sake of nutrition. But according to Carrie, consumers are no longer willing to make that trade-off, and taste has become table stakes. Nutrition was always in focus, and consumers said, well, you know, clean label products or nutritious products don't really taste as good, and it has to be nutritious first and tasty second. Um, but what has shifted now for, for within these years has been a higher focus of taste. I mean, it was never a pillar before, right? Taste was always a barrier we needed to solve for. But now with products in the marketplace, taste has emerged as a fourth pillar, which is very strong because there are that many products in the marketplace. Consumers are now demanding or expecting um, nutritious or functional products to also be taste forward and to have that taste experience, whether you're talking about plant-based and having that same meat-like experience through plant-based foods or dairy-like experience through um, those products, it's it's the same expectations consumers have from clean label and from the future of food too, that taste has to be a, um, has to be seamlessly integrated to this world of, of better food. The last pillar is sustainability, which Carrie defines broadly to include products that offer environmental and social benefits. According to the report, key themes under sustainability are minimally processed, locally sourced, environmentally friendly, sustainably produced, ethically sourced, and fair trade. The reach of this pillar's influence is seen in the report's discovery that 41% of all consumers reporting they would prefer to purchase brands that are ethical. 74% perceive businesses with corporate social responsibility initiatives as changing things for the better. And 53% expect companies to improve their local community, while 50% will switch to a company that supports a cause in which they believe. For consumers, no one pillar is more important than the other. Rather, they all evaluate the products based on the extent to which they meet each quality in each pillar. And as such, they're raising the bar for food and beverage manufacturers overall. Meeting this higher bar is complicated by the fact that values in different pillars might, at first blush, appear to conflict with each other. For example, the addition of a functional ingredient may boost nutrition, but also could negatively impact flavor or texture. But as previously noted, consumers are no longer willing to compromise on taste. An increased competition means they don't have to. It also means many established brands are being forced to renovate products, while new brands are constantly iterating and innovating to stay ahead of the curve. I don't want to be speaking 
um, for you know the, the, the subject matter experts and for amazing formulators uh, that we have here. But there's a lot of nuance and that expertise that they bring in to study that functional ingredient. So it's not as much as, hey, let me put an omega-3 and then put another flavor that people really like in combination. But it's that, um, I mean, our, our formulators spend so much time in our, our DNA experts spend so much of time on one ingredient and what really complements that ingredient with, say, the sweetness levels. It's about the type of sweet sugar. It's the type of uh, flavor. It's the type of extract. It's the type of it. it there are so many uh, combinations that I think it's like the um, you have to have the right partner um, in formulation expertise and that experience of working with those functional ingredients and taste uh, parameters. I mean, something as simple as reducing sugar, it sounds very simple, right, to, to, to you and me. Like, let's, let's reduce the uh, grams of sugar. But think about reducing sugar in, in bread, for instance. It has so many implications on the texture of the dough and the, you know, the rise of the dough and um, so many interactions that we don't really think about as consumers even, right? Um, that it does require that level of experience and expertise of understanding the ingredient and the interaction of those, but um, it's achievable in many cases. And certainly, I mean, this is an iteration, right? You, you're not really thinking about going zero to 100 with clean label or with future of food. There is there are graduations, and you need to follow along with the consumer as much as you're following along with your DNA partner that you've chosen. While most consumers may understand that change takes time, about 20% of the conscious consumers surveyed they carry said they would rather take it upon themselves to meet these higher standards. But these 20% are not all the same. They fall across a spectrum of consumers, meaning food companies need to make cleaner label products available to the masses, not just the select few who can afford higher prices. I'm not just talking about those folks who are making their own kombucha, right? Because they are trailblazing, of course, but it's not just about them. It's about consumers now taking control back to their house, back to um, cooking more at home and um, picking the right food service partner to um, spend those eating out occasions with. It's um, consumers are now willing to not just uh, go for the types of products out in the marketplace because there are several but it's also that um, they're not the, exactly that. They're not willing to compromise. They now have options. They have various accessible touch points in the marketplace to get what they need. Um, but they do, I think, there is still that desire for convenience, right? Let's take the, 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 um, the learning out and make it a lot more easier, a lot more convenient. And in that way, it's more accessible as well for the consumer, which is why you see a lot more emerging brands, a lot more uh, customers, even our, our big customers who are um, trying to innovate and renovate, uh, really appealing to that right sense consumers with key label in the future of language. I, I think it is... Um, it's important to respect the fact that there is a solution for consumers. We just need to make sure that it's a lot more accessible to the mass, right? 
because it's not about this set of, of trailblazers anymore who are taking that control, but they are also influencing the marketplace a lot more. And that's happening at a faster pace than it has in the past. Um, and, and appealing to that mass mentality and making sure that, look, this is not, uh, clean label is not just for those, the premium, right? It's not about the, the specific um, set of consumers in the marketplace that can actually afford, but it's about making that accessible to everyone. It's about uh, permeating clean label or um, these future food pillars within staple products, within bakery, within meat, within dairy, within uh, all of the categories that consumers really have high volume of consumption and it's accessible to all, um, which certainly is. I think the focus, it's not just about fragmentation within the marketplace. It's about um, look at why the fragmentation is happening is because they are now appealing to all sets of consumers to make it easier for a consumer with different lifestyle goals, different diet goals, different, you know, food sensitivities, um, different priorities for them to have access to those products as well. Given how quickly the definition for clean label has changed in just three years, it's probably safe to say that the concept will continue to evolve with consumers raising the bar even higher in the future. And it'll be interesting to see how this trend continues to evolve and drive fragmentation and potentially one day even consolidation in the marketplace. And with that, we reach the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope you'll join me again next week for another installment. And to help you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us on iTunes. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive and profitable week. <laughs>